Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom Podcast. And I have a very special guest for you today, Ilona Phillips. She's a psychotherapist, eating disorder specialist, and group practice entrepreneur. Uh, today is going to be talking all about body image, eating disorders, entrepreneur, mental health. And I'm happy to welcome Alana to the show. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here, happy to connect and uh, ready to jump in. Yeah. Tell the audience about it, how you got started and uh, you know what you do. Yeah, very good question. So I actually started at Ohio State. Uh, that's where I ultimately got my graduate degree and uh, started at the counseling center there. My interest was particularly with addictions, but my supervisor also specialized in eating disorders. And so that seemed like a pretty perfect combination there, actually a lot of overlap. And then I was ultimately hired by the University of Michigan and continued with the uh, student mental health, but also connecting with faculty and staff and really working around all kinds of mental health issues, but certainly eating disorders, you know, stayed at the forefront for me all along. Uh, quite interesting. You know, one of the questions is, um, you know, coming onto the podcast, are you, what are you, what are you helping to gain from it? Are you trying to get brand awareness? Uh, tell us more. Yeah, 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 both. So, um, I run, you know, from the University of Michigan Counseling Center, I eventually branched out into private practice and it wasn't really sustainable for me to do both. Um, so ultimately private practice won and, you know, it has grown um, tremendously. We now have about 30 providers and, you know, thanks to wonderful team and wonderful systems, the practice can run fairly smoothly. And so I'm always looking for, okay, how do we increase our reach? What else can we do? And so my um, one of my current projects is actually uh, venturing up more into the online courses uh, area and, uh, you know, spreading awareness, particularly around eating issues uh, in that domain. So I do have a course. It is called the Empowered Care Program. It is actually specialized for parents and caregivers of children and teens. Um, with eating disorders because there's just such a tremendous lack of information and we know that early intervention improves treatment outcomes so much um so it's another avenue you know to get the word out there obviously i and my team can only serve so many folks so if there is another way we can get awareness out there and get tools to folks um we're all about it yeah interesting so one thing you're talking about is this um idea of uh you know, after the pandemic hit mm -hmm. this whole area of mental health and people taking ownership, how is that manifesting itself in um, eating disorders, college mental health, uh, body image issues, um, and we'll go into more detail? Yeah, absolutely. So the pandemic, of course, as you as you know, um, affected uh, pretty much everybody. And we saw 
uh, uh, such an increase in demand for services. It was really, you know, our practice exploded um, and still we couldn't really keep up. On the other hand, it has really opened up um, the doors to virtual care and uh, it's quite popular now. Uh, we have um, probably, I would say, still about half and half of, you know, in-person visits and, and virtual visits. So that continues. We were all affected, but certainly the youngsters, right? I mean, their life is normally booming, right? There's a lot of development, a lot of maturing, a lot of social life uh, developing. And when the pandemic happened, we certainly saw such an increase in mental health issues for the younger population, whether it's college students, high school students, right? So it definitely reflected in all kinds of mental health concerns, increase in anxiety. I mean, anxiety is actually our number one presenting concern as is, um, but that certainly showed up, especially in the pandemic. And then coping behaviors, right? For some folks that was more on the addiction side and, and certainly such an increase in eating issues as well. Yeah. Um, what role is uh, does the media have in these uh, mental health, anxiety, depression, as well as social media? Yeah, yeah. You know, that's such a hot, hot topic and continues to be. We know that, you know, social media has had pretty bad rep in terms of targeting audiences um, based on uh, user experience and what data is collected about our use and how we can then target exactly that. Um, and it's certainly the case for body image. We know, uh, particularly still more in girls and women, right, that social media and the very unrealistic life that is portrayed on social media oftentimes has a very strong impact. Funny story, um, I actually come from Eastern Europe and um, I grew up under, you know, behind the Iron Curtain and um, we had no access to Western media and we couldn't travel to the West. Um, but when, you know, after 1997 and the Velvet Revolution, the borders open, that also meant that we had more, you know, access to magazines, television, also from the West. And there's actually plenty of data also showing that, among other things, our um, body image and eating issues um, concerns also um, increased. Now, there are a lot of layers to it, so I certainly don't want to make this uh, terribly simplified. But uh, I can speak from experience quite directly, actually, um, you know, what social media and exposure to whatever um, information and consume has on us. Yeah, it's quite interesting. Um, just kind of, I've been talking to previous guests about just mainstream narratives and just the way, you know, they paint, you know, kind of the media portrays, you know, we're supposed to have this like Disney World fairy tale and everything's, you know, la la mm -hmm. and uh, really doesn't prepare. You know, one question I have is um, in this stage, uh, basically, We've gone from this era of, uh, you know, where we didn't have shelter or food, you know, we had the hunter gatherer to where, you know, housing, food, all of these are abundant. So now mental disorders now, you know, we're talking about passion and, and uh, purpose and, you know, fulfilling your potential. Those, these are kind of, um, these are kind of, uh, what do you call them? Luxury problems. But the one question is, uh, in terms of, um, Coming like marginalized communities, uh, immigrants, mm -hmm. people of color, uh, people of different um, sexual orientation. How does this play into that that that, um, that arena? Yeah, you know that's a, that's a, such an important question, and certainly eating disorders have had a bad rep, sort of being uh, 
the disorder of white privileged girl. And I can tell you that the stats do not support that. It has affected who is reporting and what kind of data we collect. Um, but we certainly see such a tremendous increase, unfortunately, within um, you know all genders, right? Men and, and certainly folks of color, some cultures uh, differently than others, right? We know that for some cultures, aid and um, sort of approach or treatment of body is a protective factor, right? So we um, I remember one of my colleagues back even at Ohio State did a dissertation project on uh, women of color and uh, their relationship to God and their faith and how that was a uh, particularly protective factor. So, you know, I would want to be very careful about sort of overgeneralizing this. Um, but I will tell you that my caseload and the caseload of my colleagues is pretty diversified when it comes to um, or diverse when it comes to eating disorders and body image concerns, how it affects um, different genders, different races and ethnicities. Um, we could certainly talk about the LGBT community, trans folks, right? Um, and sort of the pursuit or the, the behaviors and what the eating disorder looks like may be different. And so with men, uh, you may see more uh, sort of pursuit of uh, the masculine image or thinness, right? And again, if you, it depends who you ask, right? Um, both in, in the heterosexual or LGBT uh, community. It is, it is, you know, I'm glad that you're asking this question. I think it's a really important question and that in that it um, helps us to really destigmatize this further and and not feed into stereotypes and and preventing folks from seeking care. You know, particularly men, for example, it can be quite quite a bit harder for men to seek treatment for eating issues when it is labeled as the white girls disorder. So yeah, let me know if there are any more specific questions on this topic. I can certainly go into a lot more detail. Yeah, are there any um, you know for the audience? You know, uh, I remember doing my psychiatry rotation uh, just for the audience, kind of like uh, predisposing factors. And really, how do you combat in this day and age where food is abundant um, in the West? Mm -hmm. You know, kind of the food quality is there's a lot of additives. And so we're more likely to die of obesity than actually uh, of starvation these days. Um, how can you yeah. should we turn off social media? Should we? turn off the TV, you know, these messages, uh, expand upon it. Yeah. So those are, those are, uh, such important questions you're asking. And, and I really would want to do justice to that. And we probably don't have uh, enough time for that, but, um, even though there's so much abundance of food, you know, there's so many folks in the U S that still live in poverty and with food scarcity, certainly food scarcity can be a, an important factor in development of eating disorders, as you can imagine, um, I do think that sometimes media doesn't do us uh, um, favors when we overfocus on obesity or uh, sort of the obesity pandemic, as as, as they say, uh, when uh, we know that, for example, when you look at BMI, um, the healthiest folks are not in the lower end of BMI numbers, right? And it's often misunderstood. Um, and folks with higher BMIs oftentimes actually have better health and, and, and uh, you know, we just can't reduce measuring health just by by that factor and, and i think it's really important to mention that genetics for example plays such an important part in development of eating disorders you know there's such a strong genetic component now 
And so it's important to like look at family history and both the nature and nurture, right? Genetics and also the environment and sort of the things that fuel environmentally fuel eating disorder are, are things such as dichotomies around food, good food, bad food, right? And believing it, uh, and sort of fat phobia, for example, right? That's a that's a really such a strong um, influence and in, and and folks fearing being fat more than than other existential factors and and that really fuels actually development of eating disorders you have to be really really cognizant of of all of that yeah yeah so very and then uh you're doing some really great talk about um you know this basically you're taking your skill and expertise and you're going um trying to build a brand so talks about you know um ups and downs of entrepreneurship entrepreneurship and um where that all fits in and you know a, a lot of uh, a lot of entrepreneurs like i know of uh, a lot of colleagues and friends you know they suffer from mental health either bipolar or you know anxiety uh you know addiction so tell you know kind of educate the audience on that area yes yes um so actually uh, mental health um concerns are, are so much higher in the entrepreneur uh, population, whether, as you mentioned, oftentimes it's ADD, ADHD, it could be bipolar, it is anxiety, it is often depression, often linked to burnout, right? Because entrepreneurship is not uh, necessarily easy. And um, what gets problematic is that that including physicians, right? Physicians often have a hard time finding or seeking care because, and, and same thing is with entrepreneurs, seeking care because there are all kinds of, um, there are all types of um, pressures, you know, as an entrepreneur, you should lead the business and you should have it together. And surely you don't have any mental health concerns. And this can be also the pressures of all fields, right? Whether it's medicine, psychiatry in particular. Um, so it gets really complicated and and the numbers are there, you know, and, and sometimes ADD, ADHD in particular, I see this with many of my colleagues, right? It's, it's a gift and, and it can be a hindrance as well, because you might be the visionary who has so many ideas, but then the follow through and execution may be more difficult. And certainly if someone is dealing with a bipolar disorder, that's going to be, you know, difficult if, if it's not well managed. So um, yeah, let me know. I would be really curious what you have seen sort of amongst your colleagues and 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 even in your education in psychiatry. And 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 you know, I think we often work with residents, and certainly that lifestyle, right, is so difficult. The lack of sleep, uh, barely eating. It's really hard to take care of your mental health in, in a setting like that. Yeah. In this in this day and age, really mental, emotional health, burnout, uh, substance abuse, addiction it's entered the mainstream consciousness just because a lot of it is based from society that we talked about genetics you know a lot of it's basically we've taken care of our basic needs and so now we have these other needs now uh really fascinating and um how can people contact you follow you um reach out to you i know you have a youtube channel instagram uh how can people yes do yes yeah, absolutely. With focus on the eating and disorder work, and particularly for parents and caregivers, the best way to find me is my website, which is Ilona, Ilona, I-L-O-N-A, and Phillips, B-H-I-L-L-I-P-S. I always have to say that particularly with my first name, so IlonaPhillips.com. But also you can find more information about me at LotusConsulting, PLLC.com. 
that's my other business. Um, you are right. I do have a YouTube channel and a little bit of Instagram, but I have to admit social media is not my strength. I will talk to you about eating disorders and mental health all day long, but social media is a different story. But everyone is welcome to, to check me out on, on YouTube. Um, both of those handles are actually on my website, ilonaphillips.com. So you can see that uh, there. And I welcome any questions. Yeah. Yeah. And for all the audience out there, let's thank Ilona for coming on the important area of conversation, protecting your mental, emotional health. All of her resources will be in the links and show notes. And thanks so much for coming on to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Always great to connect and take care. Thank you.